Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Adam White. We are back to League 1 action as always the show returns with, um, with the Nations League out of the way. And we have six games to look forward to and not any news really. So we won't dive into that, but do keep up to date at GFFN on Twitter and www.getfootballnewsfrance.com, our website for any of the latest as it happens. But let's dive into the slew of games. We have some really interesting games with, we're about three or four games into the season now and teams are starting to settle into some sort of rhythm. And we start on Friday. There's two games and two very good games, really, if you're up for things tomorrow. And the start one is Nice-Ren. And I wanted to start with nice Adam, they finally got their first win last time out against Leon. That 1-0 victory, priceless for Patrick Vieira, who already had a couple of question marks hanging over his head. But there's more happening already with reports that Mario Balotelli is not in the squad after his uh, Italy escapade. Some may say that it's because of, obviously, how quick the turnaround is from the international break, but also the fact that he was overweight and, and some issues with the Italian squad. Um, what do you make to the news on Balotelli? And also, obviously, based on his effect last weekend, where he played okay, and but Nice finally getting a win, although sort of toughed it out more than anything is maybe the best way to put that. Yeah, I think the the Balotelli sort of subplot to the season will will prove to be an interesting as we sort of head into sort of the winter months because things have changed a lot at Nice over as as we've discussed many times before on the part of the season already, and it's it'd be interesting to see how Balotelli the sort of this new twenty eight year old Balotelli now he's not as not as young as I sort of seem to think he always is I always sort of see him as sort of an up and coming sort of player but but you know into his late twenties now how he deals with with the change. Uh, at least with with no Lucien Favre and and with some of his sort of uh, sort of key sort of uh, lieutenants, if you like, in the team like Seri, like player leaving, and um, it's a very very different situation there. He hasn't got the support that Lucien Favre and some uh, that, that, that Lucien Favre um, gave him last season in the fact that in in the respect that you felt that Favre was a manager that could get the best out of Balotelli and knew how to handle him, which which given his previous record at previous clubs at Liverpool, AC Milan, Manchester City. Is 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 kind of crucial, you know. He had a good relationship with Roberto Mancini for for a while, and that that seemed to work out to some extent at the start of his his move to Manchester City. And Lucien Favre did a very similar thing. And Patrick Vieira is not a man who's who's had experience handling a player like Maribelletti before. So it'd be interesting to see how he reacts to that going forward, um, and and how he reacts to perhaps less goal scoring opportunities, um, a, a much weaker weaker team, and you know, there's a big a big change for him. So I think it'd be interesting to see how he how he handles that. Um, in terms of in terms of him sort of coming back, you know, you talked about him being sort of overweight and perhaps you know you know this this sort of this sort of thing over his injury after playing with Italy. Um, I think this is the kind of thing that that is a little bit of a little bit of a warning signal. It, is, it could be perfectly perfectly reasonable, but this sort of thing happens when a player isn't necessarily entirely comfortable. And Barrett Marabelotelli is a player that is easily unsettled. So. Um, I think that although it's you know the injury could be something completely completely you know normal, it could also be a sign that perhaps he's not 100% happy in a situation that sort of developed this week. Could be a, it's a sign of that. So interesting season ahead for him, and and um, Patrick has got a job in his hands to get the best out of him as Lucien Favre did. Yeah, he's gonna have to wear over mitts at times. It feels like with Mario Balotelli, given the fact that he's probably still having one eye across the shores to see um, where he could maybe end up next rather than a focus on his football. That's going to be a real task for Vieira. But they come against a team rich in Wren, who you obviously know particularly well, who've had a, a mixed bag of a start to the season. They're currently in six, seven points is not a bad total. They'll, they'll feel like maybe it should have been more with that game against Marseille. They were good last time out against Bordeaux and they have new signing Hatton Ben Arthur in the squad, which is exciting news for everyone. Do we think we see a little, I don't don't think we'd even necessarily see him from the start, but surely there's going to be a little cameo from, from HBA in this game, isn't there? You feel it sets up for that, don't you? Um, I mean, you look at that 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 Ren squad, and it's now starting to get that feel that you know what this this is a this is a squad that could do something um, over the course of the season. You know, the addition of, of Ben Arthur 
um, I think on a previous show I'd mentioned, just brings that that X factor feel to the squad. That that player that can produce, you know, infuriating at times, yes, but can just produce that moment of magic that I think perhaps Wren haven't had, um, uh, and certainly uh, have lacked, I think, in in recent seasons. So. It's going to be exciting to see at, one, at some point you feel, yeah, he's going to get some minutes. It certainly won't be. I'd be amazed if it was from the start. But what's quite nice now with this Ren team is, is Lamouche. He's actually got some serious uh, positive um, transfer selection dilemmas to have. You know, we Ren have now got quality players almost doubling up in positions. Um, and it, it is starting to take shape. And there is that feeling then actually, you know what, the, the, this Wren team are not far off really knocking on that door for potentially a top four spot. Um, the last you know, last match against Bordeaux, that first 45 minutes was was some of the best football I've seen from Wren in some time. Um, it was slick, it was quick, it was aggressive, um, it, was, it was full of attacking promise. Yeah, they were a little wasteful um, at times. You know that that's you know that's the that's the bit that you look to improve on. But some of the stuff, the one touch stuff that they were playing, and the the link up play between some of the players, um, it was fantastic to see. Um, and you just feel, yeah, with with the addition of Ben Arthur and what he can bring, if he can you know get refocused, refit, and become even just half the player that we saw when he was at Nice at times. Then, then, yeah, this 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 renting could could um, cause some serious issues. I think for a lot of teams this season. So it's a game I'm looking forward to. It's going to be a big test for both teams, um, and how far those ambitions of 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 where they finish come the end of the season lie. It's 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 set, certainly well set up. You know, going into the the um, the international break, that win for Nice perhaps has just turned the corner. I think for Vieira. Um, but likewise, you know, Ren come into it full of confidence themselves. Obviously, during the international break, the Ben Arthur uh, signing was was unveiled. So they're, they're two teams, I think, who um, I think could put on quite a quite a fun match to watch. Mm, and just very quickly, Rich, the interesting balance on this one, obviously, is that European football comes soon, and that'll be a nice addition to our midweek podcast, at least when we look forward to the European football happening again. And they've got a Europa League game on Thursday. It's been a while since they've been in Europe, really, at least in the, the group stages, at least. But that it's a delicate balancing act, and with the sort of quality, especially they're having the, the starting eleven, have they got enough to have enough um, really to, in the in the bank to to concentrate also on getting a win in this game, but also getting a, a positive result against uh, Jablonek on, on Thursday? I think so. Um, I think Olivier Latang and, uh, and Sabri Lamushi have both been very vocal in that their transfer dealings over the, over the course of the summer were very much in mind that they wanted to be competitive on both fronts, both domestically and in Europe. Um, and as I said, you, know, you look at that, that squad now, and you know what you you can put out, you know, a very strong first eleven, and actually the backup eleven is still capable of doing a job. Um, so uh, I would expect I would expect Ren to be you know looking at you know the first European first uh, European game for quite some time as you say it's at home, it's arguably the most winnable game of of the uh, of the group that they will face. So they're going to want to look to put on a, a real positive performance. You know, at the back of their mind, of course, then is that the, at the weekend, next weekend, they're at home to PSG. Um, so it's it's going to be an interesting run of three games for Ren and how they approach them. But I think I think there is enough quality um, within that squad as a whole that tweaks can be made to accommodate the the addition of European football this season without. Um, you know, results and performances in the league being too diminished. Mm, it's the it's the interesting balancing act, and like you say, with Paris Saint Germain coming again, is that maybe a free hit? Do you maybe keep concentrated on on the Thursday game? Well, uh, I think you, you have you have to think Ben Arthur has got one eye on that game. <laughs> well, more than yeah. that. he's got one eye on that game, thinking, you know what, I'll get a few minutes under my belt against Nice. 
maybe a few minutes under my belt in the Europa League game, but I want to be starting that PSG game and I want to be showing them, you know, I messed you around, yes, but he will never admit that, but you messed me around and this is what I can do. So I think he's he's eyeing up that game as his um, full debut, I think. So it's a great little slide for, for Hatter Banafa, isn't it? His, his first game is away at the club where he really resurrected his career. And then the second one is his first home game against the club. He left with a, with a plenty of a crazy Instagram stories, at least anyway, that we <laughs> managed to enjoy. Let's get some predictions. I'll start with you, Adam. What do you think will happen in this one? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Ren. Rich? Uh, I think, as I said before, it's going to be quite an entertaining game. I will go for 2 all. I think I'm going to side with you. I, don't, I think I think 2-1 run sounds just about right. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Hopefully, Nice play a little bit more out of this skin than they did last week. Well, not even last week. Now, two weeks ago, it feels feels like it was so a couple of days ago at least anyway. But um, hopefully, they can be a little bit more adventurous now. They've got a, a win under their belts. Um, on to a side that loves to be adventurous, really. It's Paris Saint-Germain. Top of the league, nine go- uh, plus nine goal difference, four wins in a row. They are hosting Saint-Etienne, who've had a mixed bag of a start, really, much like many of the teams, really. Adam, Leve, we, we felt like they've added a couple of interesting players, and they looked like in the first game especially that they had a bit more verve about them, a bit more um, guile, and then they've had two games straight where they've not scored a goal. Um, it, does it feel like maybe that we were maybe getting a little bit ahead of ourselves of how good this, this side would be under Jean-Louis Gasset? Um, perhaps I can see that point of view, but I think for those two previous games, you know, away at Montpellier, who are a very defensive team and a very good defensive team, as as, as every Michel de Zakarian league and side is, you know, not didn't, didn't score many, but didn't concede many either when he was there. And you know, Montpellier have been the same and did it very well last season. And Amion, you know, was last season surprised back in terms of defensive capabilities. They were sort of third or fourth best defense uh, at the end of the year. So um, obviously, two nil nil results very disappointing. But I think there are a few caveats to that. And, and the first one being that those two teams are very well organised defensively. The, the second being that this is, although there's a lot of firepower in this attack, it's an attack that's still very much coming together. I know that Remy Cabello was there at the end of last season and, and did very well, but you know he's still a relatively new addition to the squad. And you know, Yana Salaba's first game last week, um, Lois Dioni back on from back from Bristol City, Bobby Kazri's new to the team. So there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of players that won't be you know on the same wavelength yet and won't have had that much time together. So when it comes to a sort of defensively stoic side like Montpellier or Amiens, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna find it difficult to perhaps to break those teams down at this stage. So I think overall, Sinetien for me, um I I I I I, I very much take both both of your points about Ren and I, I have a feeling that um the, the issue with Ren will be the Europa League this season. We've we've seen um Bordeaux in particular and a number of other league inside inexperienced in 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 European competition with 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 young teams really struggle to play both competitions although Richard is absolutely right they have they have a pretty good you know second team at the moment I still think that that the, the schedule will 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 inhibit their, their season quite a bit and I would argue that Sinetian are probably the the best place to, to to threaten the top four even though that their season perhaps hasn't been um as uh, as emphatic as perhaps we we predicted it, it might be. But as I said, this is a team that's still gelling. And I, I think Jean-Louis Gasset deserves huge, huge amounts of credit when you think about when he took over after that defeat to Lyon, the 5-0, you know, arguably the worst day in the club's history. Uh, it, Julian Zabla didn't really get anywhere with the team. And, and they're at rock bottom. They were they were completely shot of confidence. And he's come in and very sort of quietly and, and subtly turned this team around. And I think they're still gathering momentum. Yes, there's a little bit of a a little bit of a gelling process to happen at the start of this year. But for me, I would argue that when it comes to Christmas, we, we will probably see the, the Sinetian that Jean-Louis Gasset's got in mind once Kasri and Cabela and, and Salibur and Hamouma and Diony and those sort of players manage to gel. So yes, those two points, those results are disappointing, but I think that they're they're sort of characterised by a number of other things. And Sinetian is still a team that are, are on the up. Mm, and it's an interesting game for them because they're hitting what, Seems to be most of the time for them, at least, Rich, a brick wall in, in Paris Saint-Germain, who've started the season terrifically, as we would expect. There's a couple of road bumps, but they're yet to not score at least three goals in a game. They've scored three, three times, four, twice, if you include that um, 
the uh, trophy, the champions final against uh, Monaco as well. And in past seasons, we've always felt like the Lever game would be a tough one, but they always seem to come through with it in flying colours. But they'll have one eye on a trip to Anfield coming up pretty soon because that's always a difficult European trip given the Champions League finals on Tuesday. But they'll be thankful that they've obviously got a game on Friday. Rich, how do you balance this one if you're Thomas Tuchel? Obviously, the focus for this team is the Champions League and playing a team like Liverpool away from home will be vital to get points on the board nice and early. Um, are they going to make a couple of changes? Do you think in this one maybe rest, maybe an Mbappe after the the champ for the uh, after the um, international fixtures, maybe even a Neymar, and and see if they can get by with with a couple of uh, extra players in. Well, Mbappe, I think suspended. Oh, yes, I know. I know they were. I know that they're looking at, at, at reassessing the um, the severity of the respective bans for for Mbappe. Um, but I still think that the, the, certainly the, he will be banned for this game at the very least. So there's a pass there. Um, I, I expect the team to look fairly similar to how PSG teams have looked this season, with you know with a with a large presence of of these these youngsters thrown in the team. As you say, you know they're going to have the Champions League game where you'd expect perhaps a few more of the senior players to be brought in. You know, I, I would expect. Um, that they may look at it's 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 a, it's a tricky one. They may look at starting uh, Juan Bernat just to get him get him some game time, um, or they may they may want to stick with with Stanley and Soki um, and then just throw throw Bernat in for the Champions League game. I would expect it wouldn't surprise me to see Timothy Weyer, um have some a decent chunk of game time. If potentially not even in from the start, perhaps. Um, so I, you know, the likes of Christopher and Kunku, I, I'd expect those youngsters, as Tuchel has done in the league so far this season, to continue playing um, because obviously that you know there's there's such a bit. You know, it's obviously a very tough Champions League group as we've we've touched on before that PSG have got. Um, so he's going to be keen to make sure that players are fresh. So he's got to balance up that there may be some players, senior players, who actually haven't played a lot of game time this season that he may want to still play this weekend. But it is it is going to be a bit of a juggling act, I think, that Tuchel will have to play. Uh, I think the interesting one's going to be to see whether he, he retains um, Ariola in goal, of course, because Buffon's also banned. Um, Ariola, obviously, who enjoyed you know fantastic uh, debut against Germany. A decent follow-up against Holland, perhaps slightly at fault for the Dutch goal. But... Um, it's been, I think, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it, with Tuchel and his goalkeepers? Because towards the start of the week, there was this, this, these uh, rumours coming out that he'd, he'd claimed that in his eyes, Ariola was the number one at the moment, and then today he's backtracked and said, um, "Oh no, I, I meant that uh, before the start of the season. I've been misquoted." Um, so it, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. I don't think the um, the senior board members would have quite liked him coming out and saying Ariola was the number one in his eyes at the moment. They obviously brought Buffon in for a number of reasons, but I, I you know, marketing reasons is certainly going to be one of them. Um, but you know, you, you can't argue that Ariola is is a is a young goalkeeper that's in fantastic form. So it'll be interesting to see whether. Um, you know, with the Champions League game coming up midweek, whether Ariola retains that spot or whether he's, um, you know, whether Buffon's brought back in and, and potentially whether Tuchel's had much of a say in that. So I'm going to be quite interested to see to see what goes on there. But the Santetian game, PSG Santetian, is always a weird game. It always feels like Santetian either cause major major problems for, for for PSG or they utterly capitulate. It's 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 the two extremes. It feels when Saint Etienne play PSG, there's very rarely any middle ground, and you sort of still get the feeling that that's going to be the case in this game. That it'll either be, you know, a really really nervy nervy game that's going to be decided by a you know a solitary goal somewhere, or it it, it could equally be you know five six nil to PSG. It's got that feel to it still, I think. 
it's, it's always a strange one, isn't it? I always feel like every time this fixture comes around that, oh, Santetia are a tricky team. They're going to cause PSG some problems. And then it always ends up being a drubbing. It always seems to be a four or five nil as soon as I start thinking that. So I don't really want to get it into my mind. But you, you make a good point there, Rich. The, the Areola, um, Buffon sort of conundrum. I, I think that some other people have made some excellent points this week that maybe Ariola played that Neem game in preparation so he's not um, completely out the cold heading into three Champions League games with Buffon obviously having that um, suspension after the uh, rubbish heart comments at least anyway but uh, on to predictions and I'll start with you this time Rich what do you think the score will be? Um, I still th- I think this is going to be one of the one of the the nervier games the, the quite tight games so I will go uh, 2-1 PSG. Adam? Um, I, I just wanted to make uh, another point, just, just something that came out there, but um, prediction-wise, I I would agree. I'd sort of 2-1 PSG, I think it would be a nervous game. Just on the suspensions that were mentioned at the beginning of, of the chat there, just um, about Mbappe being suspended for this game, obviously he's been given a three-game ban, and I think PSG have decided not to appeal that. But the thing that really made me quite sort of frustrated today was I, I saw that Saverni has been given a five-game ban which for, because he also for he was the knee midfielder that tripped Mbappe, and of course Mbappe reacted very angry and shoved him to the ground. Um, which obviously is a you know violent conduct. That's a three game ban pretty pretty easily. I'm not surprised he didn't decide to appeal. But I, I I'm I'm at a loss to explain why Saverni's been given this five five game ban for something that for me wasn't even a red card. It was just sort of the quintessential stopping a counter attack trip. It, I, I watched it countless times today again, and he he doesn't go and stands up. He doesn't. It's not too aggressive. He just he just trips him to stop a counterattack, and it's a yellow card. And I was at a loss to explain why he was sent off in the first place. And he's been given a, a five game ban. It's four and one suspended. And I, I'm I, I can only assume that that the fact that, that the fiore that it created with Mbappe's comments afterwards, and the fact that it's Kylian Mbappe, and the fact that it's PSG against a promoted team, I, I it has to have something to do with that because I can't I could not legislate for a five game ban for what is only just a yellow card. Um, so, yeah. The, the the interesting thing on the bands is that 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 that, that today, um, so Neen did appeal, mm. and it doesn't appear to have been successful. But as a result of that, apparently the uh, French Football Federation are stepping in, and mm. have said, actually, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna have another look at this, and uh, you know, it's almost a case of well, we don't quite agree with what the the punishments the LFP have handed out, yeah, uh, and we and we're going to reassess. So. It's going to be an interesting one if they do, because you almost feel well. That's that's setting quite a risky precedent of, well, you know, if the LFP can't be can't be um, relied upon to hand out fair punishments, then isn't everybody now going to be appealing on <laughs> on every count and going to the, yeah. the you know the, the, the top dogs? At the... It's uh, yeah, it could be, it could it could backfire quite spectacularly. I think on the uh, the LFP and, and FFF. I'm glad they are they are stepping in though in, in this situation just for fairness's sake because I, I can't understand a five game ban for that so I I'm glad to hear that it might change for just for fairness's sake but I absolutely agree that it's what's the point of the LFP if they can't make these sort of decisions you know but um, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. Crazy, 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 isn't it? I think this feels like a two 0 win for Paris Saint Germain. I think it'd be relatively comfortable. It'll have some uneasy moments, but I'm just not fully convinced by Saint-Etienne yet. We'll wait and see if they maybe do make some more marks as, as the season goes on. On to games on Saturday now, and there's a couple of tasty ones again. And An interesting one that I wanted to look at, which feels very strange compared to, to last season at least anyway, when they played quite late on in the season, and it's Lille versus Amiens. Um, two teams that have been opposite ends of the table at least to start off this this season I mean picked up a, a nice win finally last weekend and they've done an interesting signing this week as well for especially for you Adam with Alexi Blin heading down to the the, uh, the yes I mean as well it's it's an interesting team they they got a good result last time out they obviously felt like a team that felt almost like they were almost relegation fodder again this season they didn't really mm. sign anyone they lost a couple of players they didn't have the greatest of starts but that win against Rans was really strong and a, and a good point away to Saint-Etienne is maybe steady things a little bit are they looking a little bit more interesting at least now as a, a prospect that maybe not quite the cannon fodder we thought they may be yeah I think that's uh, yeah absolutely I, I I have to agree that they 
they've eventually signed really quite well or quite interestingly at least and just to pick up on the XC Blount point um him joining them on loan to the end of the season I think his contract might be up at two to the end of the season anyway perhaps but <clears throat> I think that's a really really good little signing and as, as you mentioned like you know I, I think he's a, he's a good little player that sort of dropped out of favor under under um other I've forgotten the manager's name last season already um but Debev Mikhail Debev um, and and had some sort of surplus requirements there. And I, I would, just as an aside, I would argue Jan Bodega is a decent addition to our squad as well, and he's sort of suffered the same fate to lose. Um, so yeah, I think he's a good addition to to this this uh, Amion team. I think he's probably been brought in because I think Bagani Zungu is going to be out for a month, perhaps more, with that injury picked up last last time. But yes, you're actually right. It came to the start of the the, the, the actual season after after the after the sort of preseason. I looked at this team and felt like that. You know, without Gal Kakuta and no real replacement, that they would be, you know, very, very weak. This and and look like they looked like a league dust side, um, but they've found some really interesting players. I think, you know, um, Salman Godos from from Ostersons, you know, uh, the Iranian striker. He, he started pretty well against. Um, uh, uh, he scored against against Ransden. He, he, he's sort of an interesting addition, and a good a good sort of foil for Kanata and Mendoza, who are seven Mendoza, who I think started the season really well. Uh, Juan Otero is, uh, is very very pacey and can trouble any fullback he wants really with the amount of pace that he's got. I think the best signing though, the one the really romantic one, is Ganso, isn't it? And, and just that the fact that they were even able to pull that off, given given his sort of not his stature, but his sort of the sort of a sort of slight sort of mythos surrounding him. You know, when he came for at San, at Santos with Neymar. And he was sort of seen as the next best, the next best sort of Brazilian number ten. It didn't really pan out for him, and he was went to Sao Paulo eventually, and eventually rediscovered some form, and then sort of found his way to Sevilla. And under a succession of managers, with well, I think with some Pauli, and then the following manager, he sort of found his way into the team, and then form dropped off dramatically, and then was completely out in the cold. And that happened two or three times with him at Sevilla. Um, but for a club like Amion, he's a he's a he's a huge signing, and given his his talent, his potential, he he could be one of those players that isn't necessarily heralded sort of sneaks under the radar but by the end of the season we're sort of talking about him as in, in maybe this league suits him maybe he's able to find some form because he's going to play most games we're talking about him sort of moving on to a, like one of the top six teams because he's he has the potential um still only 28 he's got a couple of years ahead of him to to, to continue continue to sort of find that form so that's really interesting I'm really excited about that um the thing the thing that perhaps is most worrying though is, is prince guano who um, sort of assumed the captaincy halfway last season and uh, has has been fantastic defensively for them, the centre back. Um, and it feels like he may be a little bit on the fringes when he comes back from injury because he's sort of trying to force a move to Anderlecht and it didn't really go through and 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 it seemed like he was pretty forceful about his, his desire to leave, which is really disappointing for a, a captain and, and someone who's such a, an important player for them defensively and overall. Um, so that might be a little bit of a hole with with you know Adonon and, and Debassi, who's really a left-back playing at centre-back. There could be a few weaknesses there, but as I was just saying, they're defending very well against Nettin last week without Guano with those two um, uh, uh, centre-backs. So a lot of positives for on suddenly when it felt like they would be in trouble um, and they look like an exciting, exciting team. And I, one final point, I think that the, the, the uh, central midfielder, Eddie, Eddie Gahore from, from Palermo has started the season really, really well. He was brilliant against Rons, covers so much round. He's a really dynamic player defensively and sort of a rise late in the box as well. So they've got some really interesting players. I'm really excited about them this year now. Mm, and it's interesting sometimes. It, very similar to last season almost. It's come out mm. of the woodwork out of nowhere again. They, again, they're interesting. It is, adds to the, the fact that they're playing Lille, who uh, it's a frustrating one more than anything, really, at the moment, Rich. They, they were excellent against Saint-Étienne, against Rennes in the opening game, and they, they toughed it out against Monaco. They had that strong win against Gangon, where they looked fabulous, really, and, and very dangerous, especially uh, on the counter as well with those three strikers. And then they go and lose 1-0 to Angers. It sort of takes a little bit of the, the shine off things. I'm, I'm sure Galtier will be delighted to have got the that that result out of the way and then a, a big international break to, to sort of hem things out with the players. But um, is this a game for them to get back on the horse? Um, I think, I think it is. I think that was a, it was one of those, those, the, the, the loss at, the, the loss at Angers was just one of those games where, they, I mean, they could have played for three or four hours and they still just wouldn't have scored. They dominated possession. They had uh, 15, 16 odd shots. Um, you know, half of those were on target. It just wasn't their day. Uh, you know, even Angers went, they, they went down to 10 men midway through the second half. 
they they could have played for the rest of the evening and into the next day. And it was, was one of those evenings that the ball would not go in the back of the net for them. Um, look, Remy, he's rusty. I think he will he will come he will come good eventually, but he does look rusty at the moment. Um, you know, Nicolas Pepe may be freezing on his uh, on his return to to Angers. Um, it, yeah, it was just one of those games, and and you know, hopefully that Galtier will have recognised that the team will have recognised that it it won't hopefully be a performance that knocks the confidence because they have been terrific. Those opening three games, they've arguably been, um, they were arguably the best team in the league. Um, the performance against Rennes, some of the stuff they were performing in the game against Gangol, uh, you know, the link-up play between uh, Bamba and Pepe especially was was terrific to watch. So I think this is exactly the kind of game um, I think that that um, that Galtier will want Lille to come back into into league and football with it's. You know, Amiens are not an easy team, but they are a beatable team um, and maybe are a little susceptible to the pace that Pepe and Bamba can bring to that team. Uh, Remy can add a little bit of physicality up front. Um, so, you know, I expect Lille to... It, it was just a blip, I think, against Angers. I expect Lille to get back to to, to positive ways again. Um so yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I hope they do anyway. You know, we obviously saw how fragile they were mentally last season. Um, so there is an argument, I suppose, that that could be made that a performance um, that was so positive yet yet yielded you know zero points as it did against Angers could have damaged them. But I think there's enough um, senior figures in that team, and Galtier is a wily enough coach that he will get them thinking. You know what, guys? That was that was just an off an off day. Performance-wise, there was not a lot to argue um, that was that was too bad. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I expect I expect them to get back to winning ways. It's a tough one, really. It feels like I mean, maybe coming into a stride, Lille have a little bit of a dip, but you just feel that that excitement they they drew um, last couple of years, last couple of games at least. Anyway, they may sort of pull something back out of it. Let's get some predictions, and I'll take the. The, the first punt at this one and I, I just feel like Lille will nick this one maybe 2-1 I mean do look a little bit better than we maybe expected but I, I really like this Lille team even though they had that blip um, Adam what do you think? Um, I think it looks evenly matched with Amiens at home so one all perhaps Rich? Um, I will go uh, a Lille win 1-0 mm, It's going to be a Interesting game, that one. I think if you can catch it, do give it a go because there's some interesting players in that one for, for both sides. Um, on to more Saturday news. And we have a game between two more sides that have done a little bit of a mixed bag again. They started the start of the season. Montpellier may be better than some might have thought, but Strasbourg, we've talked about a few times, really, Adam. And we mentioned at the start of the season, two wins to start the things off, albeit against two teams that ended up being 10 men when the victories happened. Since then, we've mentioned that we wanted to see how they did against other sides. They were not great against Lyon in the 2-0 loss, and they'll be a little bit disappointed they weren't, didn't, uh, they came out on the wrong side of the result against Nantes, but we've seen a little bit more of them now to get a bit of an idea of where they might be, uh, which makes this game even more important, really. Do you think that Strasbourg maybe were were flattering to deceive um, or maybe that game against not where they, they weren't too bad really shows that they are a team that's going to be able to compete at this level this season and fight against relegation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to tell, but I I, th- I think it's probably a little bit of a mixture of both. I think, you know, this first two games where they, they got two very good results, but not necessarily results that they, you know, were entirely of their own making, if you like, with both settings off, as you mentioned, in both those games. But, you know, that they 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 took their chances in both those games. They they took the good luck that they got with the Pablo and the Nevin Subicic sending off and one were then unlucky to concede that sort of very late goal to Netian and they could have won both those games quite easily. But as you said, huge caveat with them being against 10 men. So a little bit of a flattering to, to deceive there. But then I would still argue that they're going to be competitive this year. I think they've as you mentioned on the pod before, I think they've signed well. I like Mitrovic uh, in defence. I like Kenny Lala. And, I mean, Kenny's a good, experienced league and player. 
Um, Dimitri Lienard's obviously fantastic, as you mentioned a number of times. And they've got some goals in this team. You know, last season, they were sort of reliant on Nuno de Costa. And he was a very sort of up and down player, injured a little bit towards the end of the year as well. And Stefan Bohoken, who I who I was one of my sort of worries over Angers at the start of the year, sort of bringing him in to score the goals. Sort of, you know, Tal- Carl Toko at Cambi, that wasn't, didn't seem like a like-for-like replacement. But, you know, they've got the Costa who's, he, who can be, you know, hits both patches and scores goals. And they've got a Jorke who, who you know, looks like a talented player and, and should he get the opportunities, could could get double figures in this league. And Leo Mativa, who who was, you know, good at the sort of good at Leo at the end of last season as well. So I think the main thing for them is that they're, they look a little bit more dangerous and they've managed to short out that defence. So I think they're probably slightly better than last season. And I would argue that although they those two results aren't representative against Bordeaux and Cincinnati, and that they would still hope to be competitive over the course of the year. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one that, that they, they may be pulling it out of the bag a little bit. That non-result will keep them back, although Le Canary will be happy that they got a result. Uh, Montpellier, Rich, a team that we may thought of have struggled with the, the players that they've lost, but they've picked up some nice wins, albeit against Amiens and, and Rance, but good victories nonetheless. You can only beat the teams that are put in front of you. And looking at their fixture list, they've got quite a run, really, before they face any of the real difficult sides. They don't play Montpe- uh, the first top four side they face. Is, uh, is Marseille, and that's not until November. So they've got a good run against a lot of mid-table sides. This is the ideal time for them to start racking up results, especially with their conservative kind of style. But um, an interesting debut for Gaetan Laborde recently. He did relatively well in that game. Uh, they've got a, a couple of good um, players starting to get into form now. Andy Delors looked more dangerous as well. The midfield has done well. Follant Molle's got that terrific goal as well. Um, do you think this that we maybe underestimated the, the quality given that they finished so well last season despite a couple big losses, especially at the bank, that that maybe we we thought that this Montpellier side would would dip because of that and they've they're starting to prove us wrong? Yeah, I think the the feeling I've always had with Montpellier recently anyway is you know, they're solid enough at the back. Um yes, they obviously at the start you know, during the summer they lost Mukiele and and, and they've lost Roussillon who were two fantastic players last season. But there's enough in that team, I think, that that can just about be absorbed. Um, for the last few seasons, it's just felt like they've they've really lacked, you know, a, a reliable goal scorer and a bit of, a bit of, uh, a bit of, I suppose, creativity, a bit of an attacking thrust from midfield. So I think with the, the three, certainly the three new signs in, in Mollet, Laborde and Delors, it's it's a gamble, um, you know. Ne- neither three of them are are known for their their consistency, but and it's a big but and it's a big if. If the three of those can hit their top form, then that's that is an exciting front three. Certainly, and and this is not to do not to do them a disgrace, but certainly for a team like Montpellier, that is a significant upgrade from from the last couple of seasons. Um, so it's it's now, you know, it's it's onto it's onto the players now to step up and and realise well, you know what we've come to this team with a bit of a reputation of being inconsistent, a bit of a reputation for being, um, you know, a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a diva almost when you look at someone like Andy Delore who perhaps has has got ambitions beyond his uh, his actual level, um, and maybe there's a bit of maturity that can go on there. And yeah, I mean, if the three of those can can hear, Molle has obviously started pretty well. Laborde, as you say, had a had a decent outing on debut. The law is coming into it a little bit. You just feel now that if if the, certainly those the, the latter pair can just get a run of 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 games with with them finding the net, it's going to do their confidence a world of good. It's going to do um, the team of the world of good. Um, so it's yeah, I think I think that front three is. It's it's hit or miss. It's a it's a big big hit or miss. Those front three, but um, you know when when they're backed up with you know a strong defence, you've got the likes of Elias Skiri in midfield, who is a really good player. Um, you know they've got Benjamin Lecomte, who's come back from a you know must be feeling you know over the moon. Although he didn't get any minutes to have been called up to the the French squad and to have been at the Stade de France, where you know obviously didn't properly take part in the celebration, but to have been there and, and soaked that up. So he's going to, he's going to come back feeling 
you know, really positive, really pumped up. Um, yeah, I think I think Montpellier have got have got something here that um, it, it, it looks on paper that despite those defensive losses, ultimately I think their their net gain, um, well, sorry, the net result is is a net gain in in terms of the quality of players. So um, I think there's there's excitement there. It's 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 uh, it, there is a risk to it, and it could all blow up, but. If it if it works, it, it should be it should be entertaining. And I, sh- I mean, a, a special mention has to go to Vitorino Hilton, who uh, I think today turned forty one, which is uh, I think quite remarkable. And looks no, there's no signs of him slowing down. You know, year on year he'll get his contract extension, but he still still looks a top top player. So huge credit to him. Yeah, it's the bionic man, the Brazilian, isn't he? He's endlessly going. It seems like him. He may never finish, but um, it'll be a sad day when he does. Uh, predictions now, then, and I'll start again with yourself, Adam. Um, what do you think the result will be in this one? I think this might be a nil-nil. Rich, um, I'm going to go uh, one all. I, th- I don't know. I, I, I'm a. I, I seem to think that, that this might be Strasbourg's chance to get a result here. Uh, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Strasbourg win and, and see if they can nick something against Montpellier. It'd be massive for them if they can. I'm just not fully convinced by Montpellier this season, even though they've had a, a decent start to the season. On to a team that's had a really great start to the season. Uh, Adam is, is uh, to lose. We didn't see this coming, really, for, for Le Villalet. They They face Monaco on Saturday, we have the, a lot of their own problems at the moment, really. It's languishing in, in 13th, while Toulouse are in third with three victories under their name. I don't think we thought the Alan Casanova uh, reign would go so well, even to start off with. I mean, obviously, they took a bit of a drubbing from Marseille, but a winning against a, a stuttering Bordeaux, um, killing Nîmes early winning streak, and obviously facing a gang upside that have many of their own problems, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. But at the same time, an opportunity against a side that's a little bit reeling. They, they've got confidence in this side. They, they, they're scoring goals a little bit more frequently than they have done the last couple of years. Max Langradel especially has been a bit of a superstar, as he'd shown in his previous spell with uh, Saint-Etienne, at least. He seems to be getting back to that form. Uh, how impressed have you been with them so far this season? I've been really impressed. Um, I think... I was quite sort of sceptical over Alan Casanova's return, although obviously he had that long sort of six, seven, eight-year spell where he, they finished third or fourth at one point. You know, they were about sort of sort of in the last decade or so. Um, he, he, he tailed off pretty badly there, and I felt like, you know, they, he left with them close to the relegation zone, and they had I think they brought Domiero Baje in to sort of try and short the ship, and then the same thing happened. And so he sort of bumbled around, apart from that brief spell under the Praz around down there for quite some time. It looked like the season might have been another season like that. Um, but I think all credit has to go to both to Alan Casanova for sort of make, getting this team to play genuinely good football. You know, over the last two seasons when it hasn't worked out for Dupraz and last season under Debev, they they were so sort of stodgy and dull and it was so frustrating to see them sort of so many good, uh, what I think are good, some good league and players really not fulfill the potential and not play to the standard that they had at peak Dupraz and perhaps at times before that. Um, but he's he's really got this team playing some really exciting players. So to him is huge credit. But secondly, to the players that they signed and, and their recruitment policy. Um, one of the big takeaways from from so far from this season too is that John Bosso is actually really good at football. I, I having having sort of seen him in England with Palace and Spurs and, and various others, and it was, he's been had a bit of a meandering meandering career in the US and then playing for Lons in League Two, where I know our League Two analyst at Fabrera was was really impressed with him too. He's been really good at the sort of the base midfield. He, he's really positive on his passing, passes forward. He's very good technically. Um, and him and Manu Garcia, who had a bit of a slow start against Marseille, and I felt like, oh, is this a bit out of his depth after admittedly very good at the test last season? Is it a bit of a step up? Last three games, he's been unplayable. He's been absolutely brilliant, Manu Garcia. He's got so much sort of poise and balance the way he turns away from midfielders and runs at defences. He's very, very good on the ball as well. And they've sort of developed this midfield with Sangare, who's, who's very dynamic and also pretty good technically. To, that can keep the ball and create chances. Um, and it's it's completely different to what we were expecting at the start of the year and to how how, how they played last last season. So I think credit to, to Casanova for getting those players to gel. You know, got Stefan and Beer to come as well. I have a feeling he might be used as centre-back 
um, with with that look, area of the team looking a little bit de depleted with Julian and Julian, Christoph, Christoph Julian uh, a little bit off form, and obviously he's a deep going to West Ham, so he might end up playing there with that sort of leaving those three as they are. But they, they've got they've got some options, and they're they're playing playing good football. And you've got like you said, great Max Grader was a brilliant player for a club like Toulouse. I really like Matthew Sevi was what 15 assists for Mets, who finished bottom last year. You know he's a very very good player. And um, Aaron Leoseko, though I'm not a huge fan of him, it is is proving to be a, sort of a half decent sort of a target man. So they've got a lot of they've got a lot of things going for them this year. And who knows this could this could out of nowhere this could be the season that they've sort of been hoping for for some time. And on to a, a side that probably doing what we would have expected to lose to do, really, although maybe being a little bit harsh on Monaco Rich. The, the two losses in a row, it seems like an anomaly, really, with the amount of winning streaks they've had and the unbeaten streaks they've had in the last couple of years. It, it's not been the most comfortable of starts. That win against Nantes seems long ago now, even though it was maybe three good finishes that got them the, the victory again. The, the draw against Lille was disappointing. They faced a Bordeaux side that was still a little bit in turmoil and, and allowed them to really end up dominating. Um, and they managed to get themselves back into that Marseille game somehow and then still let it slip through their fingers. And, and a former player also tormenting them with a winning goal as well. It's not easy to take, but there's some real gelling issues with this Monaco team. Again, and facing a Toulouse side in form away from home, it's not it's not the easiest fixture for them to try and bounce back in, is it? Uh, no, it isn't. I mean, yeah, as Adam said, they're coming up against a Toulouse team banging form and, and surprising form, which uh, I sometimes feel is the most dangerous kind of form you can you can you can come up against because you know Toulouse are going to be riding much higher because it's just it, it, it's it's come as a surprise to everybody, I think. Um, I think what's perhaps more concerning to Monaco is the manner in which those last two games have been have been lost. You know, they've been um you know, they've been injury time winners that they've conceded in 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 the you know the Bordeaux game and the the Marseille game. Um it's going to have a it's going to have an effect on them. They will not have enjoyed the international break in the slightest. It's it's a little tricky to point out exactly where it is. It's it, it's the classic Monaco's slow start. You know, they've had another season where there have been, um, you know, a huge number of players coming in, a huge number of players leaving. And understandably, it, it takes Monaco a little bit of time. It's, 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 you know, we've seen that in nearly every season that's, that's, um, that's come after a, a, a hectic summer transfer window for Monaco. So it will come good for them. But, um, you know, there just seems to be a little bit of concern, I think. I don't think they look particularly solid defensively. Um, to be honest, I didn't think Jemison or Camel Glick were were at their best last season either, and I'm not sure that's that's changed much um, going into this new season. Obviously, they've got two new fullbacks that they're playing. Um, it's it's a new it's a new midfield for you know quite a few players there. There's talented players there. You can't argue with that. Um, but there's so many. There is just so many that have come into that starting eleven that you just think, you know, he's Jardim is going to have to find what his best eleven is quickly to allow them all to then start to to gel together to get an understanding. Um, and at the minute, I still don't think he's reached that point. Now, I'm not I'm not questioning Jardim in the slightest because the man is an excellent coach and he sort of has to 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 deal with uh, he has to deal with the cards that he's been given. Um, but he's going to need to find that starting that that first choice starting eleven soon. The last couple of games, uh, you know, I've also started to question Falcao's. Um, uh, you know, does it, does he does he almost hinder the team? You know, he's not the most mobile of strikers anymore. He's obviously not got that pace anymore. There's no questioning that in the six yard box, there's few strikers in this division who are as lethal as him. But you almost feel the way that this Monaco team plays is they're not a team that create many chances in the six-yard box. Um, and you just wonder, you know, is it worth, um, you know, is it worth them chucking in the likes of, of Pellegri? Is it worth them chucking in the likes of William Goebbels? You know, they, who are these incredibly young, incredibly raw, but quick, attack-minded, you know, have, have um, you know, great movement about them. Is it worth... Just chucking them in and just seeing that what can you do. Um, 
but uh, you know it's it's a tricky time. I think the return of Subasic this weekend. I know you know he's he is still a goalkeeper that's liable for a mistake or two, but he does add a bit of a um, a, a more of a I suppose calming influence at the back. You know he is someone who's been there, done that with Monaco. His return will be a big boost, I think. Um, I think Glick and, and Jemison will certainly uh, benefit from the knowledge that they've got him behind them. So it, it's not going to be an easy game for Monaco. And and it really hinges, as I said, it's going to hinge really on, on Jardim finding that, that 11 that he wants to stick with for the most part of this season so that they can, they can really start to gel. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely vital that they just find that right combination and, and start working things. So let's get some predictions and I'll start with yourself, Rich. What do you think will happen in this one? Um, I think I think we will see Monaco back to winning ways here. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty. I think it'll be quite tight. So I will go a 2-1 Monaco win. Adam? I think it's a really tough one to call. I, I think this game ended three all last year. I seem to remember where Toulouse came back right at the end unexpectedly. And Toulouse are better this season than they were last year. And Monaco are worse than they were last year. So I'm going to go for a sneaky 2-1 Toulouse win. I, I think I agree with Rich. I, I think this feels like, even though form would predict otherwise, it feels like maybe one of those games where Monaco sneaks something. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win. Um, they just maybe nick this one, and that's just the, the buffer they need, especially with that Atletico Madrid game in the horizon as well, which is going to be a bit of a bruising affair for maybe both sides, really. But uh, um, that's going to be on their minds a little bit, but maybe get this one out of the way and, uh, and focus on that. On to... Sunday night's game and uh, important one for both sides. Really, it's Marseille versus Gangomp. Uh, and uh, Adam, for Marseille, they finally got that monkey off their back last time out. They finally beat a top four side in in a, in, in a scenario where it's it's still competitive in terms of the league position at the start of the season. They'll be delighted with that. It would have been real disastrous for them as much as it is for Monaco at the moment for them to lose that game um, especially with other results sort of going their way with Leon obviously losing as well is this the sign that they maybe needed the, the, the form of Paye returning uh, Matroglu starting scoring goals even even Germain off the bench scoring stuff but also uh, something I wanted to talk about is is Kevin Strootman who had we had some question marks about but he had a pretty terrific debut yeah he did um, I think just the whole Strootman situation is 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 perfect for Marseille. Um, yeah, like you said, he had a really good debut. Um, it's sort of just the right fit. You know, uh, you look at a lot of players and perhaps Monaco a, li- a little bit suffering from this to some extent at the moment. You you look at players and you look at their attributes and you look at their skill set and their personality and the way you scout players. And it seems like the the, the, the perfect fit it doesn't always come off. It feels like you know you'd be looking at some of the Monaco signings of like Tielemans doesn't really come off, and there are a few others like that. Um, but from from Marseille, this just feels like the right move in all respects. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but it feels like th- th- I don't. It feels like there isn't really a way this could fail. Aside from another treatment injury, you know, that very very bad sort of eighteen months where he was out almost continuously. But they sell Zambo and Guisa to Fulham for an obscene amount of money for about thirty million euros. They sign Kevin Streetman, an international standard um, midfielder uh, with Champions experience, for less money than that um, for for, for twenty five. He's had previous experience working with Rudy Garcia and, he, and Rudy Garcia got the best out of him at, at Roma previously. He, he starts him perfectly alongside players like Sanson and, and uh, Luis Gustavo in that midfield, Dimitri Paye. Um, very much seems to be on the same wavelength to those sort of players. And it just feels like it, it, it could be sort of a the season sort of almost defining move for Marseille. They haven't really recruited much over the summer at all, apart from Dujé Kletashar from, 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 from Salzburg. And it feels like the marquee signing that was expected a little bit earlier. So I, I can't see any negatives for Marseille, assuming he can stay he can stay fit. So I think when you look at Marseille's team, you you would argue that it's them or Leon to finish second at the moment. Um, with Monaco sort of tailing off a little bit, and they've sort of you know as is a classic as 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 Rich said that it's it's a classic in Monaco slow start and Jardim often figures it out eventually, but it feels like they haven't necessarily got the quality they've had in other years to sort of keep pace. So you feel like that. That, that second place automatic Champions League spot will go to one of Marseille and, and Leon. It feels like that Strootman deal could be the, the, one of those defining sort of characteristics of, of Marseille season that, season that, um, that gets them over the line. 
Um, and as you said, even Mitroglou, Germain looks like he might be really serving some form. Uh, Radonich from, from Red Star Belgrade could be a really interesting signing who came in before um, before the end of the window too. So I like the look of Marseille. I think that they did really well to hold on to all their players and Strootman's a, a great addition to that team. And they, they, look like a, they look like a Champions League team. Not a, not a great one, but they look like a team that could hold their own in Champions League. You look at Pyatt, Strootman, Samsung, Gustavo, Mandonda, those sort of players. So... Fair play, and and uh, it's an exciting. It should be an exciting season for them. Let's hope it is, especially with that, like we say, that that chip on their shoulder that they had for for all of last season, facing those big games and entertaining games, but always coming on the wrong side of things. They'll be delighted to have that under their belt. So, uh, a team that would be delighted to get anything under their belt at the moment, really. Rich is is Gengomp. It felt like positive corner a couple of weeks ago they, they, even though they weren't quite picking up the results they had a, a good game against Paris Saint-Germain where we felt like they, they were maybe on the on the cusp of sort of recovering they're always good against the, the big teams it seems Kumbuare getting a new contract but since then they've had that really heavy loss to Lille where they, they looked awful really to be fair in that game and it didn't get much better against Toulouse either um are you a little bit worried about going up this season? I know we're only four games in, but and they do tend to play better against stronger teams. So that gives them hope at the weekend, at least. But I'm pretty sure Kumbari would have had some strong words over the and some hard running, I suppose, as well, over that international <laughs> break for many of his players. Uh, he absolutely would. Um, and, and to answer your question, yes, I am worried for Gangon. Um, you know, that for, for, for seasons now, they've been sort of the... the, the uh, the team that newly promoted teams want to emulate, you know, this, this small team, tiny budget who are, you know, plucky underdogs in seemingly every game that they play and season after season outperform what many predict that they would do. It feels as though, yes, that was fun while it lasted, but they perhaps have now started to rely upon that a little bit. And maybe through that, they, the team, the squad, the the ethos around the uh, around the camp hasn't changed and hasn't moved with the times, and recognised that actually teams coming up uh, seem to be in a lot better position than they used to be, and all of a sudden now you look at that Gangont team, and you start to have questions of actually you know what that does look like a team that could go down. Um, there's what well, you know there are you can pick out a few names that you just think yeah okay if they are at the top of their game that could and should make the difference uh you know you look at Nolan Rue he almost single-handedly kept Mets up last season downside of that of course was you know we remember how you know average and <laughs> borderline dreadful he was uh in previous seasons at the likes of Lille and, and Saint-Étienne so there was always the feel of, well, maybe that season was a bit of a one-off with Mets. Um, it it's felt like for years we've been talking about Ludovic Blair and and um, and Marcus Coco as these really exciting young players. And yes, they've still got youth on their side, but I just feel neither has perhaps reached anywhere close to where they where 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 the the potential. Um, lay with them and and perhaps they've just not kicked on um as well as they could have done yes they've brought in the likes of ronnie rodland who is a you know experienced league and player but you know he's not he's not the player that's going to generate the excitement in the team the defense is a combination between the ancient and the the raw and almost unproven um there's there's a there's a there's a real concern i think um that this Gangon team, as I said, you look at you look at the starting eleven, you look at then who's on the bench, and you just think, yeah, that's a squad that it's lacking. You know, it's it's lacking in in, in serious quality, but perhaps more damning for Gangon, which is something they've obviously relied upon. So it seems to be lacking the the uh, the mentality, that strong mentality of you know what, we will fight for this and it won't be pretty, it will be pretty ugly, but we'll get the result. They, there just doesn't seem to be that drive in the players at the minute and and that's the biggest concern, I think, and it's really on Kambuare now over the next few weeks to, to see that put right because we have seen with countless teams that as soon as you start hitting, you know, mid to end of September and you are still without a win, 
that's that's a very very dangerous game you know we saw it with i think it was twire a couple of seasons ago you know they got to you know all of a sudden we were at nearly christmas and they were without a win and of course you know come march time they're down um it's it's a very very difficult spiral of of a downward spiral to get out of um and when you don't have those quality players that can help bring you out of that it's it's really on that manager to to motivate those players get them performing get them believing um but it's 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 not looking good for Gangon. Yeah, he might uh, start cracking that whip, uh, it seems like. At least I mean, he definitely needs to to try that at least. Uh, let's get some final predictions. And I'm going to start with this one. I I agree with you, Rich. I, I really fear for Gangon. But I think this is going to be a bit of a thumping. Uh, I'm going to go 4-0 to the home side. Uh, uh, Adam, what do you think? I'm going to go one one more and go five, unfortunately. <laughs> You're overselling me. Curses. Uh, Rich, what do you think? Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll do Gangot a favour then, and I'll go three nil instead. Make them feel a little. To, bit to Marseille, I probably should stay. <laughs> <the stairs>. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think Kumbara was giving you a call then, and uh, thanking you for your assistance. Uh, that's all from from ourselves this season. My thanks to Adam, Rich, and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us again for the main show on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football. <laughs>